Thank you, Adam. Um, I appreciate uh, this opportunity to speak with you all this morning um, and to see your faces. And um, I'm doing a little bit of Zoom scrolling here because I, I, like, I like to actually see everyone's faces. And it's so fun um, to be able to connect. I was saying earlier that this is kind of the silver lining of COVID maybe is being able to pop into other church communities and, and see the church uh, across our denomination and across the country. And um, yeah, to be able to, to connect with people who we normally don't get to see. We hear about different churches and um, I've heard a lot about your church from Adam and Will. Um, so now I get to see you and I get to be part of it. So I'm, I'm super excited and grateful to be here this morning. Um, so as, as Adam shared, um, uh, I'm the co-director of City Hope, which is a ministry in San Francisco uh, that provides a uh, two-tiered. So we have a community center for our unhoused neighbors, uh, primarily folks who are living on the street or on your, in nearby shelters. Um, and for them, we really provide a place for people to, um, just an oasis for people to step away from the chaos of their day for a little bit. And then we also run... Um, a two-year transitional sober living home. So these are the living rooms for people without enough living space is usually how we term it. Uh, but the why of what we do is really to provide that place of belonging for our neighbors who are often marginalized um, and pushed to the side and who, uh, for whom um, issues of systemic inequity and inequalities are really exacerbated. Um, and we've definitely seen that with COVID. So providing a place of belonging. Um, the other thing we do is we don't only focus on our guests who come in, but really our volunteers as well. And for both of those groups and for ourselves as staff members and as ministers is retraining our hearts, retraining the way we see each other. Um, and it really does go both ways. So for our guests, it's retraining how they see the volunteers and maybe us as the other. And for our volunteers, it's retraining how we see our neighbors on the streets. We maybe already have an idea of who people are just by looking at them. Um, and that's not always accurate. I, often, often it's not accurate. And so it's a retraining of the heart. Um, and so I was excited when I was asked to preach on um, this particular verse in the Beatitudes, because that's also about a retraining of the heart. And God does care both about um, our actions and our heart. So it's not um, to separate those two or to say we only need to do in our work. There's a lot of outward action we need to do. Um, and the beauty of scripture is that it addresses both. So the Beatitudes are actually paralleled in Luke 6 with a lot of, um, I think that one's actually called like blessings and woes. And, and that one is focused on um, how we function in the world. It talks about uh, power dynamics and about money and, and how we, are, we live out our faith. Um, and then in Matthew, uh, we, we dig around into our inner lives and what is happening within our hearts. Um, and so I'm excited to do a little bit of that. Um, and Jesus speaks both of those, both in Matthew and in Luke. He speaks those messages specifically to his disciples. He's not preaching to a large crowd. He's talking to us. He's talking to the church. Um, and so I'm excited to dig into that a little bit. Um, I will say that the other side of reading this verse is that um, purity is a big ask. So to say... Uh, you're blessed if your heart is pure, um, feels like, is that doable? <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's a big word. Um, and I think especially with everything that's going on in the world today, being so in our faces, it's 
a lot easier to think about people who aren't pure in heart. It's a lot easier to spot that. It's a lot easier to point the finger to that um, and to imagine all the ways that someone can be corrupt in their hearts. And when we try to think about purity of heart, we tend to think of outliers. We think of the saints who led completely exemplary lives, um, who have given up everything, sometimes even their lives for the faith, for the kingdom of God. Um, and we're like, wow, again, big ask. Um, or we think about children. We think about purity as innocence. Um, we think about uh, people who maybe haven't been, and again, I'm looking through all the, the Zoom pictures. Of, I see a lot of kids. I see a, a very cute little baby. Um, you know, and we, we long for that, right? We long for that innocence. And so when we think purity, we often think of kids. Um, I have three girls. The oldest is 11. Um, and then I have a nine-year-old and a seven-year-old. And the two younger ones especially still do very, like, cute, like, little kid things. Um, so, uh, like my, my youngest daughter came in the other day and she's like, oh, I can't be outside because of the hotness. And I just like, I couldn't tell her it was heat because it was just so cute that she said hotness. Um, or, uh, my nine-year-old's a perpetual inventor and she's constantly crafting, creating things. And, and she's like, oh, and then this, with this machine, we're going to vigorize it. I'm like, yes, we are. <laughs> Bigorize it. And there's something that we just love about that. And I think it's our desire to um, cling to that goodness. And there is that sense of like not being tainted yet that we love seeing in children. Um, uh, my, again, my, my youngest daughter um, ran up to me one day and told me that she and our neighbor, who's blonde haired and blue eyed, um, that they're twins because they were both wearing the same colored shoes and they're the same height. And I was just like, okay, she, I, I loved that she still had that moment of not seeing the way the world sees the two of them as different, but rather saw really easily and quickly without thinking twice that commonality between the two of them. And again, it's that sense of innocence where she doesn't really know about othering. She doesn't know about self-othering and she doesn't know, um, or as in other people othering her, um, and she doesn't know about seeing someone as different than her. Um, and there's a beauty and there's a, a longing that I think we all have when it comes to that. So, um, so we think of saints and we think of kids um, and both are really actually good examples of faith. Um, and they tend to, thinking of purity in that way makes us feel maybe that it's not for us, um, that it has, there's limitations to who can be pure. And so we can um, read the scripture as part of the longer Beatitudes and say, oh, wow, that's a beautiful vision of heaven, but not actually apply it to ourselves. Um, and so today I'd like for us to rethink that and realize that um, the scripture actually doesn't have that limitation, that you don't have to be um, a full on um, saint and kind of the, the traditional way that word is used in terms of like sainthood. Um, and you don't have to, um, you don't have to try to go back to a time when you just didn't know about the evils of the world, um, that you can walk in the world as it is today and still cultivate, um, a pure heart. Um, and there's actually two meanings to the word pure as I was reading, um, through the scriptures. And one is that freedom, or, or being free of corruption. Um, so just not committing sins, that sense of being um, untainted. 
Um, but the other one is actually the same word that's used for pruning a vine, cleaning it so that it is fit to bear fruit. Um, I'm a visual learner and I am going to lean into that metaphor for today in that sense of pruning our hearts, um, putting our inside lives, our hearts, our minds right with the goal of be, the, being fit to bear fruit and trying to figure out what does that look like for us? What does it look to prune your heart? Um, and I think it can look a couple of different ways. Um, in one sense, it's different for everybody. Uh, you know what's in your heart. You know what needs to be pruned and what you need to prune and what I need to prune are in some cases not the same thing. Um, you may have a sin or habit that you already know you are dealing with um, and that you struggle with. Um, it might be greed, it might be coveting, it might be neglect of loved ones. It, um, it might be any number of things. And that is something that um, we need to go through those process, like we did the liturgy today, of self-examination, of figuring out what is it in our hearts that God is rooting out, that we are pruning in order to cultivate a pure heart. And that's, again, different. Uh, there's commonalities, but it's also different for everybody. Um, but then there's things about, um, oh, things about our hearts that I think just as human beings we all need to prune things that are actually the same for everybody. And so I'd like to go back to what we talked about earlier about othering. Um, we have been indoctrinated in our world with certain sentiments about the other. Um, there's this book called Biased um, by Dr. Eberhardt. I can't quite remember her first name, um, but she talks about the ways our brains have developed to quickly assess other people. And then in some senses, um, it's a self-protective measure, but there are other types of biases that have just developed over time based on who we're around and what our families have taught us and what our faith maybe has taught us um, and maybe our own personal experiences. And one thing that struck me in particular about that book because of the work I do with our unhoused neighbors is um, they did this study uh, where they showed pictures of unhoused individuals to the people in the study. And the part of the brain that was actually activated was the same part of the brain um, uh, that triggers disgust. So it was a, an immediate sense of uh, gross, like that person is gross. It was immediate dehumanizing. And if you had talked to those people, they may not have verbalized that, they may not have known that, but it was so ingrained in the way that our society has led us to see um, folks who are unhoused, that that's the part of the brain that lit up. And so there's all these biases that are in our minds and we need to um, actively root them out. Like we need to think about um, what those are. Uh, we need to find them out for ourselves. Um, and I think we need to start by just admitting admitting that, that we have those within us, that we all have our own individual sins and the root of a lot of these is the othering of people around us. Um, and, and then begins the work of retraining, right? The, the heart strives to be pure by reorienting towards God and towards his kingdom where the last will be first. And are we willing to truly believe that verse? Um, to truly believe it and then reorient our hearts by pruning away anything that tells us otherwise.
pruning away everything that tells us otherwise. And that's when we start to truly love our neighbors. And so that outward work that we talked about that our, our faith calls us to, that I mentioned that is laid out in Luke, starts with that inner work that is here in the Beatitudes of purifying our hearts. Um, and I'm not here to give you any easy solutions for how to prune your heart. Um, I have tried, I'm kind of hesitating, I have tried gardening, for instance, and I have realized that pruning is not a one-time thing as much as I would want it to be. Um, I often go out and weed my garden and then am in shock three weeks later when the weeds are back because I just don't understand why I have to do it again because I just did it and it was so much hard work. Um, and it's been a good lesson for me though that that's what it's like to prune our hearts. Um, you may not um, want to do it and you may not enjoy the process of doing it, but there is something life-giving of it from it. Um, the other thing that um, I've seen a parallel with in gardening is that I'm scared to prune back too hard because I think it's going to kill the plant. Um, and I've been told time and time again by people who actually know about gardening, and some of you might be actual gardeners who know things about plants. I don't. Um, and I've been told, like, no, no, you, at this season, you just, you have to cut back. Like, just cut it well, way down. No, no, farther. Just keep cutting it. And I'm like, it's going to kill the plant. They're like, no, it won't. You'll get better fruit next year if you cut it back hard. Um, and I know it in my head but I experience fear because I don't want everything to die. Um, and I realized that about me too. Like even as I go through times of confession, sometimes I'm like, I did this, oh, but was it that bad? I don't know, was it, like, should I? Um, and we have to be willing to cut back hard. We have to be willing to really think through um, what is in our hearts. We have to be willing to reorient that um, that persistent othering, that persistent um, practice of seeing other people as distinct from us, as opposed to seeing the us of humanity. Um, and I know even as I say that, it just sounds pretty like, oh, we're all together. Um, but the reality is that we are all made in the image of God. And the reality is that having a purified heart. I mean, the scripture tells us what the, the blessing or reward is from that. And you will see God. And as, as uh, hard to believe sometimes it is to think that we could purify our hearts, how much harder is it to believe that we'll be able to see God? Like truly believe it. Not like I think maybe we'll be able to see God, but to really think that not only will you see God in the next life, but you can start seeing God right here, right now. That you can start seeing God in the people around you, that you can start seeing God in, um, in, in people, in creation, in, in the life that has been built for us. Um, and the reality is that as we um, purify our hearts, and as we turn towards God, um, that second uh, definition of purity, that freedom from corruption, we're getting closer to that. We're getting closer to um, living the life that God wants us to live, to imitating Christ, um, so that one day when we do stand face to face with him, we truly will be purified in that way. Um, and it is a process. Um, to be able to glimpse God around us by constantly 
clearing your heart. Um, and I think it's actually cyclical. I don't think it's one of those things where, you know, you just hunker down in your home, although I know we are all actually hunkering down in our homes and spend all your time purifying your heart. And then once it's pure, you go out and then magically you'll be able to see God. I don't think that's what the scripture is calling us to do. I think what the scripture is calling us to do is step by step, day by day, and all the decisions we make to try to print it, to try to orient, to think about what you're about to say, what you're about to do, and think, is this bringing me and the person I'm talking to or about closer to God or farther away from God? Am I moving towards his kingdom or away from it? And in that way, I think we are having a daily pruning. And that daily pruning will day by day allow us to see God more clearly. And we'll see him more clearly. And as we see him more clearly, our hearts will continue to be purified because we'll start seeing God through other people's eyes too. And we'll see more of him. We'll see more of what he has envisioned for the world, more of what his kingdom brings. Um, we all have this pruning to do. I certainly have this pruning to do. Um, it's not about being superhuman. It's not about returning to the innocence of a child where you just don't know. You just block yourself off from everything that's happening in the world. But it's about that constant reshaping of the mind. Um, and not, not to add pressure, but I think that this is what God has called us in particular to do. Um, I mentioned before that Jesus was speaking to the disciples, both in Matthew and in Luke. He pulled them aside and he spoke to them as individuals, but he was speaking to them communally. Together we're the church. Together we prune our own hearts. Together we sharpen and refine as we're in community. We prune each other through those shared liturgies and through the shared confessions. Um, together we move towards hearts that are pruned so that we can see others well. Um, and seeing comes from God. It doesn't become, it doesn't happen because we become pure enough. It's not our perfection that helps us to see, but it is the blessing. It is the blessing of God. So blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God. And that blessing of seeing God comes from him. As our hearts are pruned, as he sees us moving towards the image of God and other people, he will help us see him. He'll continue to reveal himself to us. Um, and that, my friends, I, I think is really the blessing uh, that God will show himself to us in the other um, and in that way show us ourselves too and show us him. Um, so thank you for, for reflecting on the scriptures with me this morning. I do have a prayer I wanted to um, read in closing um, about seeing God um, uh, from Padre Tuama. Pretty book. Um, and it's about, uh, yeah, it's about the way, the way we see God. I'll just read it to you and let it settle on your heart, um, however, however the Spirit uh, leads you with it. All right. Um, please pray with me. Hidden Jesus, wandering along the way like a stranger, hidden along the way in many stories and many faces. May we listen to our hearts when they burn with light knowing that you are speaking to us because you are with us along the way in the faces of many strangers. Amen.